Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. I'm Mathani. And I'm Emma. And today we have Lacey with us. We are so excited. Hi, Lacey. Hi. If any of you have been following our podcast and listening in every week, you'll know that um, Lacey was on our first panel a few weeks ago on the open adoption panel. And we've heard a little bit about her story. So we're super excited to have her back um, this week to just dive in and get to hear the whole thing. Today, we'll be talking about setting boundaries and shifting post-placement agreement as a birth parent. And also what happens when birth parents reunite and build a life and family together. So Lacey is a birth mother of 14 years. She is married to her high school sweetheart and birth father of their daughter who they placed. They are parenting three more kiddos, one of whom is only two weeks old. Brand new. Yeah, brand new. She's the co-founder of The Table, which we spoke a little bit about last week with our fellow birth mom, Katie. And as a reminder, The Table is a community organization that's centered around making birth parent connections. She loves to binge watch Law & Order SVU. I love that, me too. But the distinction between us two is you're able to identify an episode within 30 seconds of sound only. Yes, it's a gift. Yeah, I, I can't claim that gift. Not at all. So we are so excited, Lacey, to have you um, come back onto our episode and really get to dive in more to your story. So with that, I'll just give you the floor. I'm so happy to be here, you guys. Thank you so much. I'm yes. excited to be back and sharing with you guys. Yes. yes. I placed my daughter for adoption 14 years ago. Um, she'll be 15 in May. When I found out I was pregnant, um, I was only 17, and the birth father and I were living with my sister. Um, We were kind of bouncing around from family member to family member. We had zero direction in our life. I had dropped out of high school. I was not on good terms with my family at all. We had a lot of demons that we were fighting together. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like what attracted us to each other initially is because we were both really lost. We were able to connect with that feeling, you know, the two of us. Let's be lost together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I remember the day that I suspected that I was pregnant and we walked to Albertsons to buy a pregnancy test because only my boyfriend had a car and we had no money. And so gas was very, very sacred. Okay. So you couldn't face it by going anywhere, even to do something like buy a pregnancy test. No, we walked and I took the test and it was positive and I was excited. I was really excited. Really? Yeah. I was so happy. Um, we were, we were in love and we had this idea that we were going to have this family and be together. And I, I called my sister at work and told her, and I remember that she was like, Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> Um, my sister's always had my back, but I know that she was like, holy moly, what are we doing here, guys? So, but yeah, I was initially really happy and I wanted to parent and that feeling didn't go away. um, Which I have to say, I said, really, just because I admire, I think that's a beautiful thing. I don't mean it's a bad thing, just to clarify. I think that's beautiful that your response was was happy and excited. I'm just impressed by that. I'm like, wow. I, I mean, I wish I had that kind of response. Yeah, it was probably my own ridiculous notion that we could pull off having 
a baby together in this you know, crazy life that we had um, with no jobs, no education, no nothing, just being 17 and thinking that you can conquer the world. Yeah just being in love. And unfortunately, that's not always how it works out. So my boyfriend was super happy and excited to be doing this. And it wasn't until I was like three months pregnant that I uh, went away for a weekend with my family to a cousin's wedding in Austin. And when I came back from that weekend, I immediately went over to my boyfriend's house and something had changed. And to this day, I didn't really tell you what happened there, but something inside him shifted and I could just tell that it was different. And pretty much that, that moment, I, I, I remember it being like the middle of the night and I, and I woke up and I just was like, what, what is going on? You know, like talk to me and he wouldn't talk to me. And the next morning I asked his mom to take me home. And that was the last time I saw him until after I gave birth. Um, Wow. Yeah. So So there was no conversation. Like he just kind of was checked out essentially. Checked out. Yeah. I don't know if it was the space, us not being there. I don't know if something happened. I'm sure if you asked him now, he, he would say, you know, I was 17 years old and maybe it finally hit me that we couldn't do this, but that was the moment that it all changed. It was right before Christmas. How far along are you at this point? I was like three months. Okay. Yeah. Not even showing yet. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went back home to my dad reluctantly on both of our ends. My dad didn't really want me there. I didn't really want to be there. A few weeks later, I remember being, you know, after Christmas, my dad said, you're not going to be able to live here and have this baby. I don't know what you think your plan is, but it won't mm-hmm. be here. Um, and I unfortunately I'm not going to be able to support you through this. So he had spoken to a coworker who told him about an agency where I could go and live at a dorm with other girls and women in my position. He promised me that he would pick me up every weekend. He would pick me up on Friday afternoon and then take me back on Sunday. So I really held on to that. I remember I had like a going away party with my friends <laughs> because I didn't <laughs> want to go at all. But I understood that if I didn't go, then I was essentially homeless. I was smart enough to know that that couldn't happen. So I went and I lived at the agency. I moved in right after New Year's. You know, moving into the dorms, was was that something, I know you didn't really want to live there, but like the adoption component, right? I'm not just yeah. a place to live, but also right. this adoption side yes. of it. Was <laughs> that something that really was pushed by your dad that you came to like you agreed with you were like you know what you're right or were you a little reserved on that that end as well no I definitely was like I'm not doing this so I'll go and I'll live there because I don't have another choice but while I live there I'll figure out how I'm gonna parent okay. because I do not want to uh, place it for adoption the whole time I kept holding on to the fact that maybe my boyfriend was gonna change his mind mm. and magically get back together and it was gonna work out I really 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 held on to that for a long time And it wasn't until I was like seven months pregnant that it started to literally weigh on me because I'm getting larger with this child inside of me that I can feel move. And my caseworker pushing the profiles on me, uh, really just wanting me to look and open my eyes that there could be another possibility besides trying to attempt to make this parenting work. I mean, it wasn't until that point that I thought, wow, I think I'm really going to have to start considering this as an option. Wow. And you said the birth father did not reach out to you at any point no. leading up to nope. this. Nope. Nope. I had a best friend at this agency and we 
um, I mean, this was before social media. This was before, you know, even really cell phones. I mean, I had, I, I had a cell phone. We ha I had a wireless, you know, a wired phone in my room at the agency, but we would, uh, we would call and blow him up. It is so good that there wasn't social media to have <laughs> sense of how crazy <laughs> um, that I really got because I want, I, I stalked him. I'll say it, you know, I stalked him. I tried to get him to talk to me. I tried everything. He wouldn't speak to me at all. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. It wasn't, he signed his rights away before I did. And that happened because my dad called his dad and said, listen, your son needs to let my daughter do this because right. it's best. So he needs to sign this paperwork. Was he resisting like to sign? No. Or he just wasn't being responsive, period. He just wasn't being responsive. He wouldn't speak to me. I, I come to find out later that his dad basically brought him the paperwork and said, here, sign this. And he signed it. He was completely checked out of that situation. And I, I truly believe that he did that to kind of protect himself because as a birth mom, we don't really have an option. We, we're growing a human, okay? Mm -hmm. You don't really get to check out. You can push and you can resist and you can do all of these things. But at the end of the day, you're giving birth to that baby, whether you like it or not. And it's going to be in your face versus your father. They don't have that. They can, you know, avoid. avoid. Yeah. They don't see it. So it doesn't exist. Are you okay with all you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's like a, there's like a fly. Sorry. Y'all. Sorry. So seven months into it, you kind of start realizing, okay, this might need to be an option that I consider. Did you um, know what you wanted in a family? Did you just kind of say, just give me whatever, like talk us through, uh, through that. At the most, when I lived at the dorm, there was 13 other girls there. And so you definitely look at their stories and talk to your friends there. And so I, I began to have an idea of what I wanted now that I understood that I had an option in saying what the adoptive family might look like. From the beginning, I knew that I wanted an open adoption. I wanted to be as open as they would allow. I really wanted them to live in the same area as me so that we could have that in-person relationship. It was also really important to me that they had been married for a while. I tried to think of all the things that I wish that I had to parent this child. Mm -hmm. My ideal situation to parent. And obviously I needed a two-parent home. I wanted us, our relationship to be stable. Access to education was important to me. Um, and I wanted them to either have other children or be open to having more children because I have a lot of siblings. So I wanted that relationship for her as well. So I told my caseworker, hey, these are the things that are important to me. And then they give you the profiles based upon that. I was open to a same-sex couple, but unfortunately at that time, there weren't that many um, in the agency that I was with. So mm -hmm. I was disappointed because I really was interested in that. So I was sad mm -hmm. to get that opportunity to just pursue and see if there was a family mm -hmm. that I could find. I probably only looked at less than 10 profile books um, in total. And the first couple that I liked was choose, chosen by somebody else before I was even able to make contact with them. Uh, so then I went back, I think she gave me five books. And then when that happened, she gave me five, five more. Let's talk about that for a second. Cause I don't think anyone, any uh, birth mom has really discussed what that's like. Did you lose hope or were you devastated? Were you like, okay, there's other great couples. Like what was your reaction when that happened? 
Um, I remember thinking, see, this is just a sign I should parent. Obviously, this isn't going to work out. So all I need is someone to step up and help me parent because I'm only 17 and I don't have the resources to do this. So I really wanted someone in my family to step up and say that they were going to help me and they didn't. Looking back, of course they didn't. You know what I mean? They understood that the best option for this child was going to be a life that I could not provide. And even if they, my mom, my dad, the, the birth father's family, even if they had stepped in, I understand that they could see something that I couldn't see in that moment, but that's what I wanted. I wanted someone to come in and say, I'll help you do this if this is what you want to do. And that never happened. And so that's when I was like, okay, here we go. Let's look at another round of profiles. Let's try to find another family. Yeah. So okay. like, there's my sign. See, I keep telling you guys that this isn't, you know, what, how it's supposed to play out, but so that happened twice. And then this third family that you chose. It only happened the one time, the one family that I didn't, that, that someone else picked first. And then I went back for my second set of books. And that's when I found it. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. so why them? Honestly, I looked at my list of things that I felt were important to me and they checked off the boxes. And then I just remember looking at their photos and they had a dog and I love animals. And so it was just little things that I thought to myself, okay, I'll give this couple a chance. I didn't have this moment where I was like, oh, this is them. I can picture my daughter living with them. I didn't really have that moment. It was really just about them meeting the criteria of the list that I had set forward to find the right family. And then when I spoke to them on the phone the first time, the mom told me that she was really tall and I'm really tall. And so I thought, okay, <laughs> my daughter's going to be really tall. And so she will feel like I, I belong in this family. You know, if I gave yeah. her two five, five parents and she comes out five ten, that's not going to feel right. So <laughs> see, I love hearing things like this from birth moms. Cause like, I don't even think I, I thought, thought of that, but that's actually, yeah, like that. I, I, I could see the thought process behind that. I was trying to like picture uh, you know what I mean? But it would be like for her yeah. to be like me. And if I couldn't do that, then I wanted it to be as close as, as I possibly could. Did y'all um, end up meeting in person, like after the phone call before yep. you even give birth? Yeah, we met in person. We went to um, lunch, I think it was, with my caseworker and their caseworker and my mom came with. So awkward. It was so awkward. And I remember I brought a photo of what I looked like as a baby. And I happened to have a photo of what the birth father looked like as a baby. And looking back, I'm like, they must have thought I was so ridiculous holding on to, oh, look at this. You know what I mean? Here we are. I just feel like it was super obvious that I was still living in this dreamland where me and the birth father were going to parent this. Yeah. And so the fact that they were understanding through that. It, it means a lot to me, even to this day, that they were able to see that I was hurting, but not make me feel bad or uncomfortable or anything about that. Do you think or, or know whether or not they had any reservations? Like, could tell that you were maybe hanging on to some hope of parenting and how that might have affected? I don't know if they, if they knew it in that moment when the birth father and I got back together. They were very, very concerned about that relation our relationship and how that might affect our adoption and so I, I know that they were really unsure of how to proceed 
with this new complication that we um, never thought would happen. Yeah. I think they, they really thought that because he was so checked out and so removed from the situation, and even I, my family, no one ever thought that we were gonna get back together, ever. So when it happened, I think that they were very caught off guard. Again, I don't not speak for them about it because we've never really spoken about it, um, but that's kind of the vibe that I got from them. That they were like, whoa, okay, how do we get through this? And, and, and so that adoption plan, you had decided before even choosing a couple that you wanted an open adoption. You wanted yes. to have a relationship with them. You wanted to have visits, right? Yep. They thought it would just be a relationship with you. Cause at mm -hmm. this point the word father, you know, is, is checked out. And so what about leading up to, so you had met them in person, but leading up to the hospital, were they there involved in the hospital, the adoptive parents? No, I requested that they not contact me in any way um, in the hospital. I really wanted my time to be my time. Mm -hmm. Want to see them um, or talk to them. They sent me flowers, which was so sweet. And the fact that they respected my boundary and that was huge. And it, and that helped bring me a little peace in, in knowing that maybe they do understand how painful this is for me. And so the fact that they can respect that because, you know, having three children of my own, that's a huge moment when your child is born, whether you're giving birth or you're adopting. And so I truly appreciate them giving me that space. But no, I made sure to say I don't want to talk to them and I don't want to see them. Mm -hmm. so, um, I had five days before I saw them. That was placement day when, when she was five days old. So at the hospital, it was my mom and my two sisters. My mom was there when I gave birth and then my two older sisters came and um, they came to the agency and saw the baby and visited us for those five days while she was in transitional care. And then on placement day was the first time that I saw them again after, I think we did two outings. We went to dinner or lunch the first time. And then we went to the zoo with their, their daughter. So I could meet their, their daughter that they already had. So, mm. you know, another awkward moment, but we made it through it. So. <laughs> and this is before you gave birth? Was before. Yeah. Before I gave birth. Those were the two times we met um, together. And I think we did maybe one more lunch, so. Not that I'm glad you had awkward encounters by any <laughs> means, but I think it's good to talk about and be honest about because, you know, you hear yeah. some people who are like, it was magical and it was amazing. It was no love magic. at first sight. It's okay if it's not. It's not, yeah. it's not, it can still be perfect for your child, like exactly where they need to be and it not feel like this amazing you know, moment that is shared, you know, like a slow-mo movie type of like action. Yeah. yeah. No, there was none of that match. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. So, um, yeah. Cause I have met a lot of other birth moms who can speak of a, one specific moment that they knew. And that just that wasn't for me. We never had a, a bonding moment or anything yeah. like that. If we ever even you know, it was just very awkward from the beginning. And that a, a lot came on my part because I didn't want to be doing this. Yeah. So sure. How I presented was very standoffish. So the fact that they were able to, to accept me in that state, it just speaks how highly um, I respect them. They could see past my angry, uncomfortable, awkward 17 year old self and still want to adopt my baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you sign your relinquishment papers at the hospital? On day five placement day, I signed. Okay. Them. How was that? Painful. Paperwork is very, very painful because they read it out loud to you. There's no escaping those words, the very technical legal terms. 
you can't escape the reality of what is happening. And so I just remember crying and signing. I can still like picture signing my name on the line. And it, it's, it was really painful. I think that was the first moment that I was like, wow, this is really, really happening. And I remember after that, um, going back and seeing the baby and telling my mom, I wasted too much time in these five days because my friends came to visit us and my family came and we would step away from the baby. I, my mom would stay with the baby and we would go outside and talk or something like that. And I remember mm -hmm. kind of panicking, thinking, why did I waste that time going outside to talk to my friends when I could have been with her? That was the first time that I was like, holy moly, this is happening. We're, we're doing this, whether I like it or not. So, Is there a reason you waited five days to sign? No, I don't remember specifically why five days. It just happened to be five days. It's yeah. just what, yeah, I didn't, I felt like two days was too short and a week was too long or something like that. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I could get some real time with her before. But you did it immediately before placement. Yes, it all was the same day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a similar where uh, it might have been a couple hours, but there wasn't much yeah. time between, which Again, I wouldn't change anything at all, you know, happened the way it needed to, but I wonder if it would have been beneficial of having some breather room. So in the couple months after having your child, what, what was that like? After placement, um, I immediately left the dorm. I went back to live with my dad. He picked me up and we packed my, my, I mean, my bags were packed before we were eating. <laughs> We'd even going into the placement room. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And so I went back to live with him and I got a job working at a title company with my sister. Her boss graciously hired me, even though I had no experience just to kind of like make copies and things like that. Um, but I made a salary, which was huge because I had barely even had a job before. So I, I, I felt really good about myself and it was a really good sign that things were going to go well. And um, I just kind of went back to my life. I mean, I was 17 and I hung out with my friends, you know, every night, every weekend. We went out and did regular stuff. I, you know, I, I, date, I dated a guy. I, you know, talked to an old boyfriend, stuff like that, you know. And then um, as far as the adoptive family went, I continued to talk to them and see them. My mom, my sisters and I, we went to their house. I went to her baptism. And that was a really difficult wow. time for me. I'm not a religious person and my children aren't baptized and I'm not, that's not something that we would do. But I remember being there and it kind of feeling really weird. Like, I can't believe that I'm here. And I actually got up and I left in the middle of the ceremony because it was just too much for me. And so reflecting back, I kind of feel like that was my, my grief uh, building up inside of me because I, of course I didn't speak to anybody about it or process that feeling in any way. I just kind of went back on and shoved that feeling back down. And I mm. did the time I felt uncomfortable. Every time I talked about placing my daughter for adoption, I only said happy, positive things and never talked about any of the pain. And so I feel like that played a role in my choice to shift our post-adoption plan um, because I just let that grief kind of take over and take over and take over until I couldn't yeah. be more like literally exploding inside of me. Once I got 
a, the phone call from the birth father. I got a call from him in the middle of the night. My phone rang at like 2 a.m. And it was him and he was crying. He said, I'm thinking about you. I've been thinking about you. And for me, I was like, oh, I've been waiting for this call. You know what I mean? Like, even though I'm, I'm angry at you and I can't believe this, this is, I've been waiting for this moment. And so we made plans to see each other. And we, I, I had to have somebody take me to the train because I didn't have my own car. And so I rode the dart train to go and see him. And um, he really cried the whole time we were together. And he wow. said, I'm, I, I'm sorry. Uh, the words aren't ever going to say how sorry. I can't believe that we're here. Um, it, it, was, it, was a huge, it was a huge moment. And I told him because I saw what his lifestyle was and it had not changed from when I originally got pregnant. And there was a lot of bad decisions and a lot of things that I could not accept in my life. And I told him, if you want to be with me, you have to get it together. We can't just go back to where we were we have to be able to live better than, than we were. And you have to get your, get yourself together. And so, you can say um, shit. Yeah, well, it said on my little paper, don't say foul language. So yeah. He called me again and was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be with you. I'm ready to put this life behind me. And we just kind of jumped right back in, you know, to where, where we were, but on a healthier level. You know what I mean? I never stopped loving him. I never stopped wanting to be with him. Even all these years later, I'm still that same 16-year-old girl that's like, I can't believe this really cute guy likes me, <laughs> you know? So that, that didn't change at all. And so I was, I was happy to try it again. But it made things really complicated with, our, with my adoptive parents because I called them and I said, hey, you know, this is what's happening. I really want you to meet him because they had never met him. And they were very, very resistant, understandably so, because the only thing they, they knew about him was that he walked away from his pregnant girlfriend and didn't want anything to do with this situation. I can definitely understand all of their reservations, but it really put a kink in our little situation that we had worked out together. So that was really difficult to figure out how to walk. You, you know, that makes me wonder if agencies wow. talk about that with adoptive parents or hopeful adoptive parents. Like, it's not common for birth fathers to be involved, but I wonder if they ever talk about if and when that day happens. That would be an interesting thing to, to ask some agencies about is how, how they counsel that or if they even touch yeah. on that topic. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I know that for us, we never spoke about if he was going to get updates because I know agencies can kind of be the middleman for exchanging updates in a more closed or semi-open adoption. And I know that his mother was interested in, in getting updates and photos and things like that. I, but I don't know if something ever came of that with her. You know, I don't know if she ever talked to me. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't think birth, only birth parents, I believe, yeah. have access to it. So you ask, hey, you know, could the birth father, you know, meet our child, all those things. They were hesitant. So does that mean they, they never said yes? They did say yes. Um, okay. And we went to dinner. It was awkward. <laughs> That's <laughs> how awkward it was. I'm sure it all comes from me. At this point, how many visits had you had? 
It sounds like y'all had a, a lot. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we, we went to their house even for Christmas and me and, and the birth father. So even at Christmas time, the birth father and I were talking to each other and I had gone to their house. So I didn't right away say, Hey, okay. Together with the birth father, can you meet him? There was, there was multiple months that went by before that conversation happened. But yeah, I had seen them many times and they did agree to meet him. And um, I don't really remember a whole lot about it, uh, if I can be honest. I, I don't remember a lot about what we talked about, what the expectations were. I do remember that after our meeting, I got an email that, where they said, we're still really hesitant about this. We really don't know what things might look like from here. And I know that they were voiced a concern about us being back together and what I assume is the biggest adoptive parent fear of all time, are they going to want the baby back? I really couldn't deal with that at that time. And that's kind of mm. about my grief building up. And, and that for me was like kind of like a final moment where I thought this is getting really messy. I don't really like the feelings that are going around with everybody right now. And I don't see how this could be uh, beneficial to my daughter in any way. Um, because it does not seem like we are going to see eye to eye, or I don't really see where this could uh, transition in a healthy way to, to anything, because everybody was in their feelings a lot. They were in their feelings, I was in my feelings, and so I sent an email, and I said, I think that we need to take some space. Um, I think that I need to take some time to process my life and what I'm doing the adoptive parents had really high hopes for me, and I know that. They talked a lot about how excited they were for my future after I placed. Um, I've always been interested in the medical field, and so they almost had this parent-like conversation with me multiple mm. times, how far my life could go. And I didn't respond well to that because I come from divorced and remarried parents. I had enough parents, okay, giving me their opinions. So I really didn't need more parents to tell me, you know, and, and that wasn't the relationship that I wanted to have with them where they're like my parents. I felt like I disappointed them by getting back to mm -hmm. the birth father. And it was difficult for me to deal with all those feelings that I had. And so that's, that's the email that I sent where I said, I think we need to make some changes. And then they didn't talk for a while. And then I sent my, my once a year letter that I kind of came up with on my own. We never sat down and said, okay, we're going to shift from being on all these outings, seeing each other, doing this stuff to a once a year letter exchange. It just kind of happened that way because I wanted to make sure that she still knew that I loved her and I thought about her every day. I just mm -hmm. didn't have that and continue to grow in my life. And looking back, maybe definitely I should have got some therapy. <laughs> you know? I was only like 18 years old. And so I was just trying to do what I could do to make the situation as quote unquote healthy as I could. And I felt like by doing that was the way to do that was to take a step back. Yeah. I mean, obviously always getting some form of counsel and, and advice is always good from like a specialist or, you know, someone who, who might be able to help direct you, but I don't think you did the wrong thing. And I mean, everyone's going to have their own opinion on this, but right. it sounds like what you did, what was best for really ever. It sounded like it wasn't just on, you know, your end. It sounded like the adoptive parents also had reservations 
and mm-hmm. there were some concerns. And sometimes it, relationships to fully be healthy is taking some breather. And how long that breather is, you know, differs as well. I, I never had like a plan for where it was going to go from here. You know, I just kind of led, let my heart lead what I felt was right specifically mm-hmm. for my daughter. And I hated the idea of there being conflict or unresolved feelings or anything negative between me and her parents. I didn't I think that's wise. And so that is what really led me. But to be honest, it was really difficult for me to do that because I felt almost like I was, I had to make a choice between my daughter and the birth father. Right. Now that makes me feel yucky because I don't want to ever have to choose. No one wants to choose, you know, there shouldn't ever be a choice like that to have to be made. And I just felt like that's where I was. I, I, I really did it because I wanted to always put her first, but at the same time, I'm battling with myself thinking, but I want to be able to have a life too, and I can't keep on doing it this way and getting hurt and having these negative experiences because that's not what's best for me, and that's also right. what's best for her. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult for me, and I still struggle now. I don't ever want her to listen to this and think, wow, she chose him over me. Um, and that hurts to even think about. And that's not what I did. I like to think I chose myself. I just chose to live my life. And I felt like that would benefit her overall. If- no, well, and like you said, I mean, it's, you don't want her to be in an adoption story that you feel has these, this tension right. or anything, any resentment right. or it was for her, you know, the choice mm-hmm. wasn't just so you could benefit. It wasn't like you were happy about the, you know, it's not like you greatly benefiting. You were the only winner in the situation. I think that was smart. You, you want, wanted this adoption to remain positive and healthy. I did. That was super important to me for it to be um, as positive and as healthy as possible. So that is what made me make that decision. And I carried that, that pain with me of the grief that we all know for a long time, because back then there weren't support groups. There weren't, there wasn't a social media where I could reach out to other birth moms. I really, even besides the girls that I lived with, I didn't even know any other birth parents or people, Mm -hmm. their children for adoption. It was a turning point for me to be able to find the support group that I found through this agency about six years after placement. (laughs) Wait, and and how old was she by the point or at the point y'all had decided to stop visits? And shift. She was less than a year old. She okay. wasn't a year. Yeah, it wasn't even a year. I want to say she was like nine months old or something like that. It sounds like over those six years, it was annual updates. Yes, I sent my letter every year and then I waited to see if I was going to get something back because we never agreed to make this change. So even now, when I send something, I'm a little stressed that I'm not going to get something back because there's no binding. No, nobody said that they have to do that. But thankfully, thankfully, I made the right choice in people that I feel understand me. And so they continued to send me that, that update. Um, and a few times I have, I've waited months to get the update and I had to send an email that said, Hey, I haven't gotten an update. And I was just wondering. Mm-hmm. 
so thankfully they always say, oh my gosh, life is crazy. It's gotten away from us. Never hesitate to reach out if yeah. you said something. So I have always gotten a response in the form of pictures. And then, you know, two times my daughter herself wrote me a letter, which was like, the, <laughs> that was huge. But mostly it's been the adoptive parents that have just sent an, an email or whatever and, and showed some pictures and told me how she was doing. So She's aware of her adoption story and who you are. She is aware of me um, and my story. Now, I don't know how in depth she knows about her birth father and I's relationship. It wasn't until this year that I finally got the courage to say, hey, does she know that I'm married to her birth father? And they said that she does know who Garrett is, but she does not know the depths of our relationship. So what exactly that means? I have no clue, but it, it doesn't. <laughs> the depths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're her parents. And so I fully trust that they give her the right amount of information for how old she is, where she is in, in her own journey and things like that. Yeah. Well, and especially when, when other children are involved, that's when like, I'm a really big advocate for when the adoptee is, is that an appropriate age that the adoptive parents have to decide when that is? Some people decide, you know, say 18 is, is when the adoptee, you know, has that freedom to decide, but whenever it is, when there are siblings involved, I think that is always important to make sure they're aware of. Um, Cause that, that changes, that changes things. It does mm -hmm. change things. And my biggest hope is that whatever the relationship is between me and her, my husband and her, her parents and us, whatever, I hope and dream that one day my birth daughter and my other children will be able to form a relationship. Yeah. Just on their own, you know, without all the complexities of parents and things like that, because they didn't ask to be put in this situation. And right they deserve to be able to get to know each other in whatever capacity that might look like for them. Up to this point in y'all's life, is your husband, has he always agreed with like this type of relationship with the adoptive family? He is whatever you think I will respect and support. He is my number one support system. He goes out of his way to make sure that he is there for me. And that's why it is very difficult for me to say how he feels because he really keeps that to himself. And I respect that. He has to heal in his own way. He has to process this in his own way. And so I try to support him in the same way he supports me which is just letting him do him and me do me. Our journeys are separate. Mm. So we created a child together. We do not uh, experience this in the same way. So it's important for us to respect the other person's boundaries. So he would not come on here and, and share his story. He never has. And I don't think he's ready to. Even with my experiences uh, recently doing the table, there has been to talk about hey would you do this and um he's so sweet and he says i would really love to and i say you don't have to say anymore because i know that you're not ready and i would never want to push you to that yeah well, maybe one day he'll be ready but maybe one day he won't and that's his journey and i respect that and that's okay yeah absolutely. okay yes exactly mm -hmm. we all grieve differently he can grieve it and do whatever he wants yeah right. lacy you know we've talked about that you have three more um children 
So what, what has that been like? Yeah. So definitely the first child that I had after my daughter, uh, my son, he's now 10. Uh, that was difficult because I had already given birth, but my husband who was my husband then, but he is my husband now. Um, he was not there. He left when I was three months pregnant and he, I didn't see him until after I had given birth. So it was hard because I knew what to expect and he didn't, but I didn't want to come off as this like know-it-all, almost like let me rub your face in the fact that you weren't there the last time I did this. I was really thankful that I had a boy after the first, for the first child and I didn't have another girl. I was scared to have another girl mm. because I thought that the whole time I would be reliving what it was like to be pregnant with her and always comparing. So mm. I had a boy and I, and I want to say gender doesn't matter. It just is a lot easier, you know, to picture my little daughter and then my son, they're completely different. So it, it would easier for me to deal with it. I feel that he was a boy. And then my daughter, who is almost seven now, that didn't happen. I never compared. She is her own person. They are, even though they literally look like twins, they're completely different from what I, I know of my birth daughter and, and the daughter that I have. And our relationship is different. She's my daughter. I'm her mom. And we talk about that even now because I never kept anything a secret from my kids. And I tried to be age appropriate with them. So we started by saying, you know, I had a baby for a family who couldn't have a baby of their own at that time. So that's kind of how we started it so that they understood that this person existed, but that I didn't have to go into the whole, well, I was only 17 and I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't give her the life that she deserved. But we have made our way there now. And my older children do know that I was only 17 and I didn't have the resources to parent. How much of that they truly understand, I'm not sure. But I don't keep anything a secret. And I always am available to talk to them about it. It seems as if my daughter is a little bit more wanting to talk about it than my son is. My son's like, okay, whatever, you know. But my daughter will be like, hey, remember how you had that baby before you had, you know, me and my brother? And I'll be like, yeah, I do. Is there a question that you want to ask? Or, and then she'll be like, no, I just wanted to remind you. And then go on and do <laughs> You know, so it, it's totally a weird process for, for them, but however they want to go through it, I'm available to talk about any capacity for it. Well, so. I'll, I'll tell you as, cause you're, how old's your daughter again? She's almost seven. Almost seven. So I was seven when I found out I had a, had a, a sister that was placed for adoption and yeah. she at that time would have been 15. When you're a seven year old girl, yeah. like teenage girls, like walk the moon. I mean, like, the coolest thing ever, the, yes. like the cool, like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. yeah, they are the coolest thing. And, and so I could just see the, just wanted to remind you, you know, and then run <laughs> off. So cute. Yeah. It makes me proud. Um, because I have made it a point to talk to them about this. And so one thing I noticed that my daughter does is that she always uses proper adoption terminology. She always, says you placed your child for adoption. She never says the negative phrases. Mm -hmm. It's really huge for me. It makes me really proud of her and me <laughs> that yeah. I taught her to, to, to do this. And so I hope that it will make them more understanding 
um, as they grow up and, and maybe me because they've never met anyone adopted or they've never met anyone who has placed. And so I hope that laying the foundation early on for them will be beneficial in how they view and, and grow up and experience things in regards to adoption. Wow. I love that, Lacey. Yeah. That's amazing. And I love that you're so honest and transparent with them, obviously with, you know, age appropriateness and all, yeah. but I think as they grow up, they're really going to appreciate that. No. And that's something that I hold on to because that's part of the reason why I chose the family that I did is because they never wanted to keep it a secret. They wanted her to know from the beginning. And even when we've spoken about birth father situation, they continue to say they never want her to have questions that would lead to fantasizing or things like that because she doesn't know the answers. But at the end of the day, it is each parent's own prerogative. I, you know, I chose to tell my children how they want to handle it is totally up to them. I don't know. I, I, again, I really don't know if she even knows that I have other children. I think maybe one time I sent a, a photo, but I'm not even for sure. But that's her parents' decision. So we had Katie on in our last episode, and we got to talk a little bit about the table. And I know y'all both co-founded that, and y'all have already started to do great things. And I know y'all are looking forward to doing so much more. I would love to hear about how you got involved or helped start this and, and, and why you wanted to do it. Sure. Me and Katie know each other from the support group that... Um, the agency put on. That's how we met. Really, we're able to have a great connection just because there's so much going on. But in the more recent months, we were able to connect doing panels together. So we got to know each other a little bit more. And one day we were talking and she basically said, hey, I, I've been thinking about this. And turns out I had also been thinking about that, but I didn't know kind of how to put it into fruition. Uh, we just wanted to create a space where birth parents could come together and connect in maybe not such a formal setting as a support group or through an agency where we can just mingle and, and be together because in my opinion, that's the best therapy that you can get is being mm -hmm. a walk similar journeys to yours. And so I'm really excited to be with working with Katie because I feel like we each bring something different to the table. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm excited to see where we can go from here. I, I love, love that. We're so, we're so excited for y'all. We can't wait to see everything that um, y'all are going to just do for the community. Lacey, remind us where everyone can find y'all on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the table DFW. Awesome. And, and y'all, they are super active on social media, post great content um, I really encourage y'all to, to go follow them for some great um, adoption support. Thank you again, Lacey, for coming on um, the second time. We loved hearing even more about your story. So unique and you have so much perspective to bring. And we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.